Welcome into Inside the Den, your look inside Lee's McRae Athletics. Inside the Den is produced for the sole purpose of keeping Bobcat fans in the know and can be found on our website, lmcbobcats.com, or on SoundCloud. Just search Lee's McRae Athletics. Now, here's your host, Tim Hall. Welcome back to Inside the Den, Bobcat fans. Today's guest, we have the VP of Athletics and Club Sports at Lee's McRae College, Craig McPhail. Craig, welcome to Inside the Den. Tim, thanks so much. Glad to be a part of it. Well, we had you on a few episodes ago. I believe it was episode 13, where we just wrapped up the past year and you shared some stories and some thoughts. But I wanted to have you back on the show to get a little deeper into who you are, your background, and uh, what your experience has been like here at Lee's McRae. So first, I'm going to go way back. Uh, You know, considering your background before you got to Lee's McRae, it's no surprise to me, at least, that you're you're now an athletic director. But there was a series of experiences that you had to go through before you ever got to this point. So take us back to, you know, your college days. Where did you go to school? And how did you end up working with the Orlando Magic and being friends with Shaquille O'Neal? Tim, I... I've thought about this. I've led a pretty rich sports career and such. Uh, you know, in high school, I went to a small high school in, in South Carolina, Chesterfield High School, and I loved basketball. I had a full-court basketball court in my backyard. It was dirt. One goal was under security light. And I lived five miles outside of a town that had 273 people in it. So basketball was my, my thing. I, I would play all the time. And I played basketball my ninth grade year, spring semester, and I scored one point. I made a free throw, (laughs) but I didn't get to play much. And running, I I was doing cross country and track. And so my, um, the summer after my freshman year, and and this is powerful to the whole story is I want to leave it in. I went to a cross country camp at Appalachian State University. Mm. That that fall, I finished tenth in the state in uh, cross country. That was crazy. I, I could never have imagined it. That spring, I finished second in the two mile, and it became that competitive desire to get better. The following year, I finished uh, third in the state for cross country, and I won the mile and the two mile Ooh. in South Carolina. And then my senior year, I finished second. Uh, in cross country and, and it's something I remember to this day I was the first one up the hill and I didn't finish the hill and the guy passed me and he's a good friend of mine and and we've stayed in touch forever and I just finished second and but that senior year of track I was on pace to do a lot of crazy good things uh, I really thought I was going to try and break a state record and, and at least one of those and they were very tough but I came down with mononucleosis and I Mm. Six weeks of just sleep. I remember coming back and running a two mile and had to walk one of the laps. Mm. Long story short, I came back and I won the mile and the two mile in the state that year. It was it was just incredible. Wow! So I went to Winthrop University, ran cross country. Uh, sports has always been my thing. I don't. I'm very one dimensional to some degree. I, if you looked at my TV channels, it's probably the Golf Channel, ESPN, and Fox Sports maybe, but. So at Winthrop, 
I thought sports broadcasting is where I wanted to be. And I realized that I, I don't have a face for it and, and all that <laughs> stuff. And I didn't understand what I was doing. But I could write. And so I got into communications and journalism and then uh, public speaking was a minor. And then I just had a blast. And as I did internships, my sophomore, junior year within the athletic department and their sports marking, you know, it was fun. But my senior year, I did an internship with the Cleveland Indians, AAA farm team, Charlotte Knights. They were out of the Fort Mill location. And that's the time when Jim Tomey and Manny Ramirez were coming through. And it was a grade eight for the Atlanta Braves and such. So yeah. for those folks who are baseball aficionados, I mean, Jim Tomey is in the is in the Hall of Fame. Manny Ramirez will be in there. I watched Chipper Jones, Ryan Plesko, Javi Lopez, and so many other guys come through there. And it was just – it was incredible, Tim. I would – on away games, when they were on the road, I had to come in, listen to the game on the radio. It just tells you how old I am. And then I'd write the story, and I'd send it out to the media. Well, I'd have the the radio on in the ballpark, and I'm down there taking batting practice, you know, throwing a ball up and hitting it. Yeah. And it was just amazing. And on home games, I would go out there and shag fly balls after I did my duties. It was great. They won the International League that year, so that was phenomenal. And, you know, I thought, hey, I can work in sports, but I couldn't find a job. And I had moved back home, and my mom – said something about Georgia Southern for grad school and sport management program. And at the time, it's probably one of the, uh, you know, three to five in the country. So I went down to Statesburg, Georgia, did a year in residency there uh, for graduate school. And the internship that came about, it was between Reebok in Atlanta, Georgia, or the Orlando Magic, obviously in Orlando. Florida. Now, I loved, I loved basketball. Those are two good options. And they were great options at the time because Reebok was heavy into the Olympics. They had the, uh, a really a new start type deal. But basketball had won over. That dirt court and, and my love for Michael Jordan and everything else, just it won out. So I went to Orlando. And, I mean, I, I'll tell you this, Tim. I made $25 every time they played at home. That was 41 home games. You can do the math. I, yeah. I, I went into a lot of debt. Uh, probably a little bit of depression along the way, but I would not trade it for anything. Well, and they, the people there looked after me. I found myself, uh, we were on NBC. I was trying to think about this. We were on NBC Thanksgiving Day, Christmas Day, Easter, Martin Luther King Day, any holiday we were there. So I was on courtside working with the NBC broadcasters. So whenever the, the music would come on and they'd go from the Orlando Magic Arena, I'd kind of raise my arm up so my mother would know I was doing okay. She'd watch the TV <laughs> because you know I didn't have much of a cell phone, and she would just know I was okay. And, and just from that time, Shaquille and I became friends. We would play horse in the empty arena. Tim, I tell the story, and then you can ask the next question. It was Valentine's, and I didn't have cable at my apartment. So I'm in the arena, and I'm watching. I think it was Clemson was playing North Carolina basketball. Well, Shaq came in. He had forgotten his pager. Mm-hmm. And long story short, we ended up sitting there watching the entire Clemson-North Carolina basketball game. And it was hysterical because we would just kind of casually talk like we'd known each other forever. Yeah. And I was like, do you realize that you're going to win a gold medal? It was the summer of 96. I said, you know you're going to win a gold medal? Do you know from a runner like me, the gold medal was like the most – unattainable dream there was and, and all you got to do is show up and play basketball and you can win it because the dream team was going to dominate yeah 
and we just we just had so much fun together. He is just a great guy. Um, our our bond was very strong that year. It was it was certainly something special. We met in the hotel elevator at a preseason basketball, and he said, "You're one of Alex's boys." And Alex Martin's is now the CEO of the Orlando Magic. And I said, "Yes." I said, "I'm Craig." But I just can't for the life of me figure out who you are. And, you know, I'm shaking his elbow at the time because his hands were big. He looked at me, and from that point on, we just had a really good relationship because, uh, you know, we just kidded with each other every time we could. It, yeah. it was phenomenal. I say this to people all the time about how, especially, you know, you and I, we work with young people and athletes who have these big goals and aspirations that, um, you know, you don't have to be the athlete on the field to be in the industry and have a lot of fun. I, you know, you're an AD. I'm a head coach. I know as a former professional player who was on the field, you get to be friends with everyone who makes the entertainment value happen. And, you know, we have a, a sport management degree at Lee's McRae, and I think maybe speak to that a little bit, that there's there's other ways to be involved in the sports industry, and you don't have to be on the field and still have, like you just described, a tremendous amount of fun and meet wonderful, fascinating, uh, exciting people. Tim, when, when you've stayed at a place as, as long as I have, you have a lot of great stories. I remember we had a men's soccer player. He just graduated, Matthew Dunn. And Matthew Dunn was one of the first guys who always wanted to sign up and work the table for basketball games. And I asked him that one day, I was like, Spoonie, why, what, what is, he goes, I'm so close to the action. Mm. I love it. I'm that close. And then one time this uh, past winter, I went on to the broadcast with Jasmine Turpin, who just graduated. And I've got the headset on to him, and I'm listening to her paint a picture of a basketball game for parents who couldn't come to it. And the way she was doing it and weaving the story in and out and talking about the runs that were happening with both teams, talking about the atmosphere, what was going on outside. I mean, Tim, she was a a female Bob Costas at the moment. Mm -hmm. And, And I think about these opportunities that we have, whether it be game ops, whether it be broadcasting, whether it be you know, social media is through the roof right now. So can we find the right content in a video or a picture or that's something that all of a sudden gets really uh, a lot of attraction? And I think about these kids and how they can put themselves into the position to really create jobs for themselves and, and unique jobs. I mean, my goodness gracious, who wouldn't want to shoot hoops with Shaq or take fly balls from Jim Tony? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's an incredible experience. And to some degree, it's what you make it. And we've got a lot of different opportunities here for kids to take advantage of and use. And who knows where they're going to parlay themselves. I think Jasmine Turpin is now looking to get into sports broadcasting Mm -hmm. because she feels comfortable with it. Yeah. And, And, you know, I think if you can make the most of those opportunities, why not take advantage of them when you're in college? Because you never know what door's going to open up. True. Okay, so go through all those wonderful experiences and learn and grow. And then in the summer of 1998, you arrived in Banner Elk. How in the world did you end up here? Tim, so I moved back home after the, after the internship with the Orlando Magic for the second time. Imagine that. 27 years old, moving back home with mom and dad for the second time. 
it's wonderful for your your dating and your social life. <laughs> and and I, Tim, I, you know, there are certain moments in your life that you know exactly where you were and what you're doing. I remember it was a Sunday afternoon. I was taking a nap. My mom woke me up, and she said, "Look at this." And on the back of the classified the Charlotte Observer was this job for sports information director and cross country coach oh. at Lee's McCray College. And we grew up, uh, you know, modest. I wouldn't say we were poor, but we were far, you know, wealthy. So we would take our summer vacations would be either at the beach or on beach mountain. Oh, okay. And so I was familiar with the area. And obviously when I told you about going to cross-country camp at App State, I, I was familiar. And I applied, and I got invited to come up. And, and Tim, I came up on the last um, – TV show of Seinfeld and I couldn't find a place to stay because you know it's June in the high country and even back then this was a popular place so found a place I interviewed the next morning it was from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. every hour was a different person it was like a 12 round boxing match <laughs> and I just remember sitting on the AD's couch and he said Craig I just don't know if you can coach women and I was like well if you don't give me this shot, I don't know where my next opportunity is going to be. And he said, yes, I moved up here in July of 98. I, I think in the 11, 10 or 11 years I coached women's cross country, I think we won eight conference championships, maybe seven, 10. I had more success on the women's side than I did the men's. And it was just one of those things that, I took his. I took him to heart and realized that how important this was. But mm -hmm. I also knew that this this could be a, a wonderful opportunity for me in a beautiful location. So yeah. uh, when I talk about making the most of your opportunities, I certainly um, the Lord shined on me a couple of extra times in, in my life, and this one was certainly one of those in, in July of '98. Yeah, uh, I don't know where Plan B was. <laughs> I was cutting grass and at a golf course and working for the Charlotte Observer writing high school wrestling stories. <laughs> I'm not sure where I'd be without it. Well, you get here, and you do coach men and women cross-country. You do that for 11 years, and in total, by my count, you won 13 total conference championships, which is an incredible number between the two. And now you've been an athletic director, and you're at the VP level uh, in athletics. So I'm curious, you know, for you, having done both significantly, what's the biggest difference between being a coach of a single team versus now you're you're the leader and the voice for over 20 teams here on campus? What's what's the biggest difference that you see between those two? As I was nearing the end of the, the, the coaching part and wanting to get more into the administration side of things, I thought about the impact I was making on the, the 15 to 20 uh, cross-country student-athletes I was making and how much could I have impacted the, the larger group, the 300-plus the student-athletes. And so when I, when I made that transition – I didn't want to lose part of that coach part. I, I love the relationships. Now I've tried to develop relationships with our coaches similar to how I did with our student athletes. And I don't think I realized to some degree uh, the pressure or stress. You know, it's one thing when you manage your team and your schedule, but now when you, when you have the oversight for all the others, uh, a lot more things 
can come into play. And it's been fun. I've, I've enjoyed getting to meet uh, our coaches, you know, going through the, the search process of identifying who's the right fit for us is very similar to recruiting and trying to find resources to give each one of uh, our coaches a success through fundraising is, is kind of like my conference championships now. Uh, I look for those wins and those, those things that we kind of, you know, generate to make the student-athlete experience a great one, a memorable one, certainly something that will give our coaches uh, the opportunity to have success. Uh, so, you know, it's a, it's been a unique transition and certainly one that's got its fair share of challenges because no two days are the same, but I don't know if that's the same for a coach either. I think that's what we all kind of live for is, mm-hmm. you know, waking up to the next day and, and making an impact in a young person's life one way or another. Mine now is probably a little bit more behind the scenes than if I was a coach who was on the front line. Well, speaking of that, that, that opens up the door for me to ask. You know, back in 2013, uh, the college elevated your position to vice president of athletics and club sports, and that offered you a seat at the big table, so to speak, uh, and, sure. and being a part of the, of, the, of the other side of the pond over on main campus. How has that uh, transition and that elevation, how has that improved athletics in your opinion? I think when you look at the sheer numbers, I think that we're probably close to 50% of the on-campus student body, and having a voice at that table is important. Uh, whether it be, you know, uh, what when is a good time to have an event so we can coordinate not being in conjunction with a, a basketball game or something, but also to share, you know, how are things, whether it be the cafeteria, the transportation, um, budgets, uh, home events, how do we create an atmosphere uh, that's good for recruiting. It's great for retention. How do we work in, in a really cohesive manner with other parts of campus, whether it be residence life, financial aid, uh, admissions? I think about working with the business office, uh, dining hall. Uh, all those things make the young person's time here in Banner Elk significant. And if it's not disjointed because, you know, maybe 3 o'clock, 5 o'clock in the afternoon, we're practicing a sport they played since they were a kid and we don't have any interruptions, then it, then it's a smooth uh, transition in their day. And then at nighttime, we can kind of coordinate with some of the other stuff. So it's been very good to have that voice at the table. Uh, I work with some incredibly talented people who are mindful of what our young people are doing. You know, it's, it's interesting at small college athletics when you have kids who are playing a volleyball game or a soccer match at Erskine on a Tuesday or Thursday night, and they're getting back in at one thirty, two o'clock in the morning and then have an 8 a.m. class the next day. I mean, that's a, a lot of great time management, commitment, dedication, and it's a partnership that we all have on campus. So I think that as we continue to elevate our community service, our grade point average, the retention, recruiting of the right fit people, more and more people understand and appreciate what small college athletics can mean to a campus like ours and a community like ours. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, switching gears now. All right. Okay. Uh, Want to get some perspective from you. Uh, as uh-huh. coaches, you know, we, we meet a lot, and, and you have spoken significantly about, uh, about you, Craig, as uh, just a person growing up, being that coach, being the SID, and then 
you get married and you have a son. So when you, you know, your life obviously changed significantly when you and Jill had your son. And you've spoken often to us about how that has affected you as a person and as a leader and the changes that sort of occurred within you and how you oversaw and oversee and, and manage the department. So maybe speak to that, how, how big and important that was for you as a father, but then also how that then helped to reshape your approach in leading Lee's McRae Athletics. Yeah, I mean, I remember the the summer Elijah was born, I was playing golf six nights a week. I think I probably played six times last year. <laughs> but I, that doesn't that doesn't uh, mean anything towards uh, the questions, Jess. But it, my point was everybody kept saying it's going to change your life. Having a child will change your life. And I kept saying, no, nah, man, I, I'm going to keep being the same person. But I look at it completely different now, Tim. When I think about our teams on the road, those are those those kids, those children. There's somebody's special treasure, just like mine, and, and I love him with every fiber of being I've got and every breath I take. And I think about that, and I realize that those people are loved just the same by their parents, and their incredible responsibility that you all as coaches have to take care of them, protect them, guide them, and. My focus changed greatly because when I coached, uh, I've shared this often with with a lot of people, I was all about putting plaques on the wall. And somebody told me that those things are going to get dusty and rusty, and at some point in time, they'll fade away, and you put them in a box somewhere else, and you forget about them. But it's the job recommendations, wedding announcements, birth announcements, those things that are the real wins in what we do. And... I was like, sure, sure, sure. And now as I go through one graduation after another graduation and I look at people asking me for job recommendations or letting me know that they, they're they engaged or they're going to have a child, it takes on a whole new meaning. And it really does. And you, and you find yourself maturing in a way that it's like, hey, this is what we're in the business for. We're in the business for giving these young people uh, a little bit of a great time in their four years, but we're the guardrails, Tim. We are the guardrails <laughs> and trying to get them in the right direction. Yeah. And they're going to bounce off of them from time to time. And we got to be okay with it and love them through it because I was not perfect at that age. And I'm trying to make sure that these people understand that I was not perfect. I Oftentimes when they come into my office and we, we talk, I share some of the stories of my own, you know, idiocy at that age and to some degree still we're all growing and how we can kind of shape their lives is important and I mean my goodness gracious what what greater job than to be a coach Mm -hmm. Uh, what's that Billy Graham quote that a coach will have uh, more intentional uh, transformational touch on a person than anybody else will Mm -hmm. And, and you think about that is We've got an incredible audience, whether it be the people in the huddle, the Van Rudds, the locker room, or is it the alumni? We have an incredible reach, and how do we manufacture a great experience through it is how we communicate, how we care, and that, to me, has changed dramatically since since Elijah. I, I, I cannot wait to go on a recruiting trip with him. 
I cannot wait <laughs> to see what sport he plays in, in high school. I cannot wait to uh, enjoy vicariously his college time. And and I just look forward to it because of the business that we're in and knowing, you know, that there's a lot of good people who want to try and make his experience just like theirs or better. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, yeah, it, you spoke on that often, and I've always wondered, you know, just the difference between the two situations of life and and how those things we go through such as that how it can put us through a lot of stress but it also makes us better people and better leaders and better coaches so looking ahead uh all right you arrived in 1998 uh coach for 11 years you've been uh ad and vp for 11 years a lot of wonderfully good things have happened in 22 years, which is a long time. But we have actually made great strides uh, just in the past five years, if we look back. If we can come this far, I just wonder how much farther can we go? So the question is, what does the future hold for Lee's McRae Athletics? Tim, I, I could not be more excited. I think we're positioned – uh, really in a great spot, uh, even with the pandemic and such. I think we've got all the right puzzle pieces in place, uh, coaches to upper administration, uh, to leaders and staff and faculty all across campus. So if I were to close my eyes and say, hey, let's fast forward five years, there's a turf field up on Tate Field that our lacrosse teams and our soccer teams are playing on that has one of the best backdrops in all of college athletics. Uh, the softball field has got uh, some form of turf uh, with, again, probably the greatest backdrop in college athletics. We've got a, a gym floor that has been completely uh, redone. We've we've got uh, locker room space and athletic training spaces now in an indoor facility adjacent to our, our gym so where the spring sports can continue to operate in the high country weather that we've got. I think we've got coaches who are constantly challenging each other to get better. And I don't necessarily mean that completely on the field. But we are we're looking at ways of working out together, uh, reading books together, cooking together, uh, socializing together. Uh, the the common bond that we have, that thread of family. I think that Lee's McCray is a, a point where, you know, it's a place where a lot of people vacation, Tim, and we get to live here. And can we promote it with all the healthy opportunities that we got? I think about that that cycling room that you guys have. I mean, pretty soon it's going to be too small for you. And we've been talking about renovating it. And how do we create it as a space that becomes something that everybody wants to be a part of? And has it got a nutritional component to it, a workout component, Mm -hmm. a a rent shop that that can get things fixed? And and as the, the area continues to grow with cycling, is it becoming the beacon? That, that draws people here. I think about the trails and how we continue to upgrade those and, and manufacture more and more. I just think of all the different opportunities that are out there that are right there in front of us. And I, I think there's a tremendous amount of low-hanging fruit. I think that we've all been tested fairly well, but I think we come out of this with a whole unique approach. Um, and I'm excited, Tim. I, I'm really uh, – optimistic about where we're headed, uh, the support from our community, our board of trustees, our president, 
and those on the on the president's cabinet all see Lee McRae as one of those schools who's going to prosper in the next five years. And it could be because of our location. You know, it's a safe environment. It's a very clean and healthy place. Uh, the distractions are very limited. And, and you can really develop as a young person here probably much more so than if you were in somewhere else where there were a lot of different other mm-hmm. options to, to go through. Mm-hmm. I think that the, the human being grows quicker here at Lee's McCrae because of the just the, the spiritual feel to it, the quietness, the peacefulness. And those are things that parents are going to look forward to moving forward is can we align ourselves with somebody who, who's going to take care of our child in, in a healthy, safe manner. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. Uh, yeah, moving here myself in 2013, it made me acutely aware that I first need to deal with myself. And it, it mm-hmm. all these, um, uh, the, the, the peacefulness and, and the quiet and the solitude that you can have here really makes you self-reflect and deal with yourself and come to terms with yourself and address those things before you tackle those bigger objectives. So I agree with you. And, and the things that you spoke about the future, uh, those are some big ambitious goals. And, and frankly, uh, listeners and fans, uh, we're going to need your help to pull those things off. And we have a show coming up where we're going to talk about the Bobcat Club and what it means to Lee's McRae Athletics. And you're going to hear some voices of people who are a part of it. And that's going to be a a big element to us being able to achieve those things that Craig just mentioned. So I love hearing that. Uh, So stay tuned for a future episode where we get into it. So, okay. One final thing. I'm going to put you on the spot. All right. Okay. Now, all right. So this is a simple question and it's either or, and depending upon your answer. All right. I've got a follow up. Okay. You ready? I'm ready. All right. If you had to choose one of these two things, okay. You only get to choose one. If you had to choose one of these two things, which would it be? Okay. Golf or sneakers. Man, those are my two. I mean, those are my heartstrings, Tim. You are pulling on them. You can only choose one now. Um, yeah, that's true. Listen, I, you know, golf is something I have appreciated. Oh man, ever since I was a kid, and going to Green River Country Club in Chesterfield, South Carolina, and and living eleven miles away, I, Tim, I'd run to that golf course, and then I change clothes and I play. And I wasn't very good. And then I became a caddy at Diamond Creek and started to appreciate golf in a completely different manner. The architecture, the structure, how the holes are built, why they're built, the routing and so forth. Tim, any day on a golf course is a great day. So golf is the answer. Golf's the answer. My mother would always say you can only wear one pair of shoes at a time. So golf's the answer. (laughs) Because you've got great stories, either answer you give. But oh yeah. Okay, yeah. so my follow-up question is, you've played a lot of rounds of golf all around the country. Where is the best place you have ever played golf? Oh man. Um You know, Tim, I'm a guy who loves the beach and I'm a guy who loves the mountains. Limbo Golf Club is, without a doubt, one of the more peaceful settings there is. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I was fortunate to work at Diamond Creek. Uh, I think Grandfather Mountain Golf Course is unreal. There's 
12 holes you can see the swinging bridge on each hole is your your own private country so i love that but then i go down to the low country of south carolina and i play secession or i play colleton river and you know no two days there are the same because the ocean breezes make everything unique and there's just there's something about walking on a golf course with your friend or with somebody you don't know and creating a bond in what could be two and a half to four hours of time. And whether you play good or bad, there's always one shot. There's always one shot that brings you back. And for me, I mean, I could go play Sugar Mountain, like I said, you know, six nights a week, the summer before Elijah's board and, and have a blast. So I've been fortunate. I would just tell you probably level golf club. I mean, it's the history of that. It's an 18, 95, 96 golf course mm. built by Donald Ross. It's just a, I remember the first time I played there, there's a, the, the, I think it's the Limbo River that flows through it. And I think probably one of my balls came close to or in the water there. I'm looking and, and I see what looks like, you know, 24 to 30 inch uh, mountain trout in there. And I'm like, what is this place? Hmm. And there's just something about it. It's a, it's a peaceful solitude. It's a great walk. Uh, just, just a wonderful time to kind of get away and be with nature. So, golf and Limbo Golf Club is probably where I play, just because it's just you're you're taken back in time, mm-hmm. and all of the cares and worries you can forget about in that in that stretch. But it wouldn't bother me to play anywhere else though either. I I mean. They put a golf club in my hand, and I'm I'm pretty comfortable. Well, you know, when you find that thing you love to do, uh, it doesn't matter where you're doing it. You'll do it anywhere, and it, it can bring yeah. you a lot of joy, and you'll learn something new about yourself in the process. So, Craig, we've learned a lot about you in the last uh, half hour or so. Really appreciate you being on Inside the Den and sharing your story. We really appreciate it. Tim, thanks so much. It means a lot. To listen to this episode again or to find previous episodes, go to our website, lmcbombcats.com, or find us on SoundCloud by searching Lees McRae Athletics. And as always, go Bobcats.